This is attorney Andy Markintel and attorney Mark J. Victor. We are the attorneys for freedom, and you, my friends, are listening to the Peace Radicals podcast. How's it going, Mark? Dude, I feel like we just turned the cameras on today in the middle of a conversation. Let's uh, let's get to a summary of what this movement's all about, because if you know this show, you know that we usually start with a summary. I'll put a uh, timestamp at the bottom right here if you want to skip past Mark's rambling about this subject. But those of you who are clicking on the video and you don't know what this movement's all about, Mark, hit him with the, the summary. The truth is, Andy, was upset I didn't do the summary at the on the last episode. I'll live. But anyways, live and let live. Yeah, it sounds great. What the heck is it? What does it mean? Look, all I need out of you guys, all I need out of you guys is this that you agree with the phrase live and let live. It's the world's only real peace movement. Do you want peace, especially with, with what's going on right now? Yeah, there's really only one way to get there. Let's just live and let live. How you get there, don't care how you get there. There's lots of ways there. If you get to live and let live from objectivism or Christianity or Islam, all topics we've covered in these podcasts, great. Welcome to the live and let live movement. What does it mean? Real simple. Live. Live your life. What does that mean? You're in charge of you. You own your body, property, money, and time. You are the captain of that ship. I like to say it. You should be the unapologetic, iron-fisted dictator of you. I don't apologize for that. I'm not asking anybody's permission. I'm in charge of me. So now that we're clear on that, we can make some suggestions about how you should live your life, right? You, you get to make the decision, but we got some things to say here. We call it our moral principle. The people in the live and let live community, we're saying some things. We summarize it with this phrase, be a good human. Yeah, you know what that means. If you had a decent parent or someone who raised you, you have a pretty good idea what we mean here. But to help you understand it, we explain it with some aspirational values. What are we talking about? Open-mindedness. Can you remain open-minded? How about on everything? On everything. And if someone changes your mind, be glad about that. Thank that person. You learned something. You improved. Tolerance. Let's be more tolerant towards other people. Yeah, we look different. We speak different. We eat different foods. We celebrate different holidays. It's great. Let's celebrate the differences. Let's tolerate each other. Voluntary kindness, the real kind, not the kind that's forced by the government, but the kind that comes from the heart when you're kind to another person because it's the right thing to do. Civility. Can we stop calling everybody names? Can we disagree in agreeable ways? Let's have a rational conversation. That's what we mean here when we're talking about civility towards other people. Building high levels of trust. You want good relationships with other human beings? You should then build a high level of trust. That's what we're talking about with our aspirational value here. And also a commitment to truth and facts, wherever they go, whatever the truth is, and rational thought. We care about this stuff because we want to optimize human happiness and well-being. That's what our goal is here with the moral principle. And we want to reduce suffering. Can we do that? Those are our suggestions. You're completely free to blow them off. You can be intolerant, closed-minded, uncivilized, unkind, don't care about high levels of trust, so long as you don't violate one other thing we care about. Let live. Let live. I just explained live, right? You're the iron-fisted dictator of yourself. We're making some suggestions. You're free to ignore them. But let live. This ain't a suggestion. You gotta let other people live. How do we describe this one we describe the moral principle with be a good human we describe the legal principle with don't be an aggressor don't be an aggressor what the heck is an aggressor 
somebody who initiates force against a person or their property, or someone who engages in fraud or coercion or does anything that puts another person in danger. We lawyers, guys like Andy and I, we like to say don't do anything that creates a substantial risk of harm to another person or their property. That's what being an aggressor means. Nobody gets to be an aggressor. Don't care what color your skin is, where you were born, whether you identify as a male or a female, or whether you're religious or not religious, nobody gets to aggress. We don't care. Even if you form a group and put a badge on your chest, or you call yourself a, you're a corporation, or you're the great organization of what, whatever, or you're the biggest group of all, the government. Nobody gets to violate the don't be an aggressor rule. And that's the legal principle. That's what we're saying here. So anyways, that's what we think live and let live means. And everything we say in the legal world, how should the laws be aligned? They should all be in harmony with that legal principle. Don't be an aggressor. And then how should we act? Yeah, we're saying some, some things about how you should act. We think you should act in ways that would call people to say, you know what, that person's a good human being and follow the aspirational values that you're, of course, free to ignore. You can be a jerk as long as you're not an aggressor. We'll tolerate you because we want to be the land of the free. We want to be the world of the free. So if you're interested in this peace movement, we're pushing 40 different chapters now in almost 30 different countries. We got 10 countries in Africa going like this. Guys in Nigeria, I'm getting up at 4 a.m., to present Live and Let Live to people in Africa and lots of chapters in Europe. The movement hasn't even launched yet. There's lots of ways to help. Check it out, liveandletlive.org. I know what you're thinking right now. You you're, total, go, you're totally on the hook with what Mark said, and that just wasn't enough for you. You want to go into an excruciatingly long hour and 30-minute version of that exact same rant. We're going to put the link at the bottom because Mark and I recently unpacked the movement, yeah. both the moral and legal aspects. And if you want to do the deep dive, God help you, it's at the bottom for you. That's so what happens when you on. let me off the chain, man. You just said go, do the summary. All right, let's get our awesome right, guest involved in, in this conversation. Um, he's way more interesting than either one of us put combined. Put together, yeah. This is, uh, this is Kevin Jackson, and Kevin Jackson is the CEO of the Kevin Jackson Network. Um, he is uh, has a lot to say. Um, yeah. he, he's a conservative uh, thinker, and uh, he talks about politics, but he does it from a uh, oftentimes very comedic approach. He's a, a stand-up comedian, in fact, and he is part of the unapologetically American comedy tour, which Mark and I just watched the sizzle reel before this, and we were both laughing. So uh, let's get him involved. Kevin, how are you doing, my friend? Thank you for having me. I'm rep happy to represent <laughs> you in Africa. <laughs> The peace movement in Africa. Go, Africans! He sounds, he sounds like he's from India, but we need we need a chapter there, too. So. Awesome. Kevin, my, my given name is Umbike. <laughs> Kevin, introduce yourself to our uh, to our viewers. What's up, Wiggas? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's funny how you can change one letter and it's okay, right? Yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. We're playing around with language. Bigger, yeah. trigger, but just don't do that other one, right? So, look, I cut my teeth growing up in America. I grew up in a big cattle ranch uh, in Brady, Texas, 25,000 acres. It was owned by a wealthy white family. My parents were poor. My mother died before I turned five of COVID. Um, 
My dad was arrested and sent to prison. Uh, he went to San Quentin. We think it was a COVID-related crime, but we're still working on that. Maybe it was Putin's fault. But uh, long story short, we um, I did. I grew up on a big cattle ranch in Central Texas. And when we moved there, it was supposed to be this big racist thing, right? Everybody's racist. But my grandmother represented this wealthy white family, and she we, that was rarely there. They, they visited to bring guests in, and they did big hunting trips. It was, uh, they had exotic animals, uh, 2,000 acres of exotic animals, all kinds of antelope that people would come in and shoot. And uh, they had, you know, uh, they had a 6,000 square foot hunting lodge. So that's where I grew up. But they were rarely there. They were there maybe three or four times a year bringing in parties. They'd fly in on their private jets, have their parties. We'd work the parties and they'd leave. Mm -hmm. So I got to see that side of the world, which was really cool. And they were very ingratiating. They treated me like family. Other than me serving drinks in my little smoking jacket, they treated me like family. Yeah, right. So it was a great upbringing. But I was told that these people were racist. By the way, this is a big Republican family. So in the little town in Texas, it's supposed to be very racist. Well... Uh, my grandmother would go into a store, we'd buy $10,000 worth of crap, and my grandmother would take a little piece of paper and sign it, and we'd walk out. And so you do this for a few years, and my grandmother would walk into a store in this little racist southern town, and everybody would be, Mr. Tomark, how can we help you? How can we help you? I mean, she was like Elvis hit the, the room whenever <laughs> my grandmother went anywhere. That's great. So what I noticed was America wasn't what I was being told. Yeah. So at this very young age, I'm getting bombarded with these lies, which, by the way, some were true. There was some I was born in the 60s. There was some oppression, but it was it was phasing out. And so here's my grandmother being treated like a rock star. And I'm going, whoa, what's this? You know, but I did see the other side of it. So that was my formative years. And uh, my grandparents were staunch Democrats. I was never a Democrat. I tell people I was never that stupid. I know this isn't a a. a, a, a political thing, but I, I looked at the way that that I was being taught how I was supposed to feel to your, you know, people were telling me, this is how you're supposed to feel. And I'm going, I don't feel that oppression. When I'm around white folks, I don't feel the racism you say exists. So it, it was it was a complete dichotomy to what they were telling me and what I was feeling. And I always go with my feel, what I feel, to your point. Yeah, right. It's the peace movement. It's about, I'm the CEO of me, my man. Absolutely. Just want to be clear. Yeah. Don't be trying to be the CEO of me in here. So that was my formative year. So and my grandparents were staunch Democrats. They got mad at me when I would t say, we don't think like them. Yeah. I, was a, I, I liked Reagan. I liked what he said. I remember when he lost, I said, that is a guy that's not a loser. He's a guy that just didn't win yet. Yeah, I said the same thing, and I liked him too. It, it was just the way, and it had nothing to do, forget the politics. It was the way he lost that I went, that's not the way a loser loses. Yeah, and I came from a family of Dems as well. I was the first R when I grew up. No I, kidding. Only, only because I was going to be different than everybody else. And I started listening, and I said... I seem to like what these guys are. Individual responsibility sounded good to me. Yeah, 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 same thing with me. My grandparents watched everything the Democrats did, and they were very, uh, they would get enamored over black people that could really articulate, like yeah. Barbara Jordan, for example. They'd go, listen to her, the way she speaks. And I'd go, it's, it's not the way she yeah, speaks, it's, it's the she's words saying. she's the content, saying, right. the, con yeah. the content. And so we, we went through all of this, and so, I, you know, I, I remember we were they were watching somebody at Democratic convention, and, I said, we, we're nothing like that. And they said, shut up. Just, just, my grandfather said, boy, just shut up. I go, I'm not shutting up. But even at a young age, I was a contrarian. I would, I would not, I mean, I respected my grandparents, but when they were wrong, they were wrong. Yeah. 
So that transferred into, and by the way, my grandmother would always say, Kevin, you better be better than them white boys. You know, she would always tell me, not in a racist way. She said, you need to be better. You need to show people. And they became this mantra for me to always just be a little better. You know, always try harder, which I think is a great quality, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Challenger, you, you're not going to win every time, but right. at least be aspiring to yes. it. So that became my life. And uh, I went to and they, that same family, this white family, sent my brother and I to a private school, 40 grand a year wow. each. They paid for it. So I got a full ride to SMU, at academic scholar. I also was a track athlete. My brother got a ride, got a ride to a and He played football there. And, um, you know, went on to graduate with degrees in electrical engineering, computer science, and math. And now I make movies and make funny stuff. Yeah, that's great. So that's great. a little bit of the what a great what story. A journey. Yeah, yeah awesome. Fantastic. I loved it. It seems like you and I kind of came from the same place. You'll tell me if you feel otherwise. But I came from a Jewish upbringing. You He's know, Jewish? Yeah. I'm out of here. <laughs> and that was kind of the attitude. A of Jewish most... lawyer, I know. What are the odds? I know. What are the odds? <laughs> that was the attitude of a lot of people in the town at the time. Yeah. In fact, my, my name in some circles was Jew Boy. No I, kidding. I can remember my house getting egged. We'd put the menorah up, right? And everyone else had a Christmas tree. And wow. We got eggs on the house. I was bringing weird things to school during the Jewish holidays. And... You know, so uh, I, I kind of when I, the day I found out that Jesus was a Jew, I went back. I went to the rabbi. I said they're they're yelling at me for Jews killing Jesus. I said no, they didn't. I said who's Jesus to the rabbi? And he says, well, you know, Jesus was a Jewish prophet. Wait, no, no, we're not talking about the same guy. These guys are talking. He said no, it's the same guy. So I went back to the friends and I said, hey, did you know this Jesus guy? He was Jewish. They said no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. <laughs> So they, I saw him a couple days later. I said, you know what? We found out Jesus really was a Jew. Now I was, <laughs> right. I was the rock star. You know, so I was Jewish. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I understood racism. There are people who are racist today. There's no question. You run into them. They have a right to be racist, uh, I would say, but, as long as they're peaceful. We avoid them, right? But, but you also know it in terms of what you were expected to do as part of the Jewish community in terms of your politics, right? There's an oh, expectation. Yeah, that, now that. That, Absolutely. That's a definite We fact. started the same place. And so to me, I was just a rebel growing up, and everyone was a D, so I was an R. So right. I started watching. But then it started making sense to me, and I loved Reagan. Reagan was funny. Reagan was dignified. I didn't, looking back at it now, I certainly don't agree with everything he did. Of course not, yeah. He was wrong about some things, but he, I think he wanted the government smaller than it was. Yeah. And I think that makes him different than some of the people today. If they got their way, they'd make it bigger than it is. Let's oh. coerce more people into doing Are things. Are you kidding? This government, uh, you know, I tell, it, it, it's like Java the Hutt. You know, it wants all the pretty princesses, but it's not going to go work out for him. You know, just bring them to me. And going it's back, bloated and slimy. Oh, no question about that. <laughs> Uh, so going back to this Jewish thing, so I was at a Jewish event. I, I really feel like I have a Jewish soul. I know you'll chuckle at that, but I tell people this all the time. I was at, uh, invited to a ZOA up in New York. I'm up there, and um, I, this is when I was with Fox. And they they distinguished me. I'm with Joe Piscopo, okay? Okay. So Joe and I are at the table, and Joe brings me. The, I brought Joe to the event. So long story said, they recognize us. Just Joe Piscopo, Saturday Night Live, and Kiss Sidekick, Kevin Jackson, blah, blah, blah. And I opened for Victoria Jackson and stuff years ago in comedy. So we're all good friends on the SNL cast back in there. So anyway, we go there. And um, the ZOA, the the Israeli consulate uh, said to me, Kevin, do you want to go to Israel with us? Uh, Because we got a project we want to do. And I said, yeah. I said, Jewish people, y'all are y'all crack me up. Let me tell you why. 
the Jews, I don't know if you guys really have looked at the Jewish population and the number of Nobel laureates. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. The, Huge. No, the number incredible. of patents that Israel has. Way a disproportion to disproportion other groups. Yeah. To, to any other country. Yeah. I mean, just, and, and, and I'm thinking to myself, the Jews have done stuff in medicine and science and things that are literally life changing, yeah. you know, for the, for the world mm-hmm. and they're hated. Yeah. But here's what I said. Black folks, we export the worst of our culture. When I was in Japan, guys had, you know, thug life shirts and they would want to get next to me and be like flashing gang signs. Right. They know rap music. They know the, the worst of our rap music, the worst of black culture. They absolutely exalt our thugs. They love them all over the world. I'm telling you, telling you, there's not a continent I haven't been on where the young kids are not wearing thug life, you know, gun shirts, things like this. And the Jews are hated and we're loved. And I said to the, Jew, the Israeli consulate, I go, we are so good at marketing. We can sell the worst of us and you can't even sell the best of you. And they went, yeah. Kevin, you got to come. We got to figure this out. So we're still in the process of doing this. But I just thought it was an interesting aside. There's two really important points in there. You know, in my view, uh, I look at the success of the Jews and I think about what is it that I learned from being raised in the Jewish culture? Mm-hmm. And it's funny because my wife is Asian and she's very proud of being Asian. She tells me about the values. You had your bets, dude. Look at yeah, you. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> she tells me about the Asian culture. And I say, well, tell me about the, the Asian culture. And she lays down exactly the same stuff that is, makes the Jewish culture great. Absolutely. It's called, you know what? Respect your elders. If I, the, My worst crime, I think, growing up, if I had ever called one of my parents' friends by their first name, I can't even imagine. I don't even know what would happen. I never did it. But there's a certain respect for elders. There's the family. There's get to school. There's be respectful. All of the kinds of things we talk about with the moral principle. Wouldn't the word be accountability, too, though? Yes. All of this stuff, making your word, your bond making it gold, building high levels of trust is exactly the same thing. So it's these kinds of things that work across all cultures. Let me ask you this, though. Is there a, in the Jewish community, because I'm, I'm thinking about this in parallel to the black yeah. community, if you guys screw each other over, you're not, you're, you're pretty much persona non grata, right? I mean... Well, I think that this is in in most civilized communities. I got friends all over the world. If I'm in the stray, black community, man. Yeah, see, the extent to which you stray from these values, you're going to get bad consequences in every community, right? Yes. So uh, as criminal defense lawyers, we represent people in lots of different communities. And, you know, we see patterns. I've read probably at this point, I don't know, probably pr- close to 100,000 pre-sentence reports. And there are patterns that emerge. Right. Kids that were raised in places with the, the story usually goes, doesn't know who his dad is or dad's in prison. Right. Uh, mom is using meth and, and has got you know different boyfriends every weekend and this and that. No, it, it's not 100%. In, in, nothing's 100%. Nothing's 100%. You can get past it not notwithstanding. But your, your but chances. The, the pattern is there. Yes. Your it's ch- like The Outliers. You've seen that, that book, right? Have you read that book? No, I haven't read the book. So The Outliers it tells you exactly why the Jewish people are where they are. It, it, they, you can t- they when they came over. I don't. I, I'm not going to give you the history because I'm not certainly a. But the little bit that I read, they 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 were in finance and they put their yeah, efforts right. together. They they valued they education with each other. Right. And and at the end of it, they ended up overwhelmingly going to the Ivy League schools. Overwhelmingly, and to the point where 
uh, Ivy League schools were be- became discriminatory against yeah, the Jews right. because they were easily earning a spot. It's now where the Asians are. That's why I was joking. Yes, I know. It's funny. No, you're right. It's the same you're thing right there. for the same reasons. It, same it's, reasons. It's also a community that has been historically victimized but has never historically had a victim mentality exactly. in any way, shape, or form. And see, that's what happened with us. Uh, I was uh, When I was filming one time in Fox, up at Fox, I was in the studios and um, this black dude was by, you can't see who's behind the camera. You walk into the studio, there's a bunch of cameras and they, they got the big ones, you know. And so you can't see people. I mean, there's like they're shooting three camera setups or whatever. And I'm on Glenn Beck's show when Glenn was there. So we do this great show. It is still one of the top rated shows ever for Fox. So we do this show and I'm in the chair and uh, I'm saying stuff. This, you know, Glenn's asking me stuff and I'm saying profound stuff, which is what I do. OK, <laughs> and so this I, I, normally the, the guys are just behind the camera. And every now and then I see this. I see this. <laughs> this guy would poke his head. Yeah. Out. It, was a, it was a brother. You know, he, Did he po- really say that. Yeah he, yeah. yeah. he would poke his head at like, you know, like this. And so we finished shooting that segment and we were right in Manhattan. So he goes, hey, he comes out. He goes, hey, man, my name is so and so. He gives you know, shakes my hand. He says, man, you got a minute. I'm going to get a smoke out here. I said, they still let you do that? He said, yeah. So we go outside and he's smoking a cigarette. And he's telling me, man, you know, you were Kevin, you were getting to me, man. I mean, I, I, I'm believing some of the stuff. So you can tell he's in a conflict, right, from what he right. thinks he knows yeah, and right. what I p- put on him. So he's, he's explained, complaining about white people, this white people. That, and, he, and he says, man, Kev, look up in these buildings. And there was these high buildings in Manhattan. He's like, these white men up. And I said, man, stop it. Don't slap your great grandma. And he looked at me like, well, I said, don't slap your great. You're about to slap your great grandma. And he didn't know what I was thinking and probably neither do you. So here's what I said. I said, you're about to slap your great grandma because see those white men you're about to criticize in those buildings. Your great grandma put them there. And I said, and she wanted to put you there, but you wouldn't listen. That's your problem. I said, that, that white guy in that building didn't even listen to his own parents, mm-hmm. but he listened to that black lady yeah. that was his servant, the servant to those people. The reason why I know this, mm-hmm. because my grandmother was one of those people with the kids. The kids, yeah. the, 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 the family that we worked for, those kids ran over their parents. My grandmother said something, they stopped on a dime because they knew she meant it. Ramona, stop that. You apologize to your mother. She, my grandmother disciplined those kids. And I said, I know this happened because I've seen it from not only my grandmother, other people. And I said, so everything that you're talking about is what those guys listen to, what's soaked in. You don't want to listen. You want to blame everybody. There's somebody, there's a boogeyman all around every corner for black dudes today. Every corner. You do say profound stuff, my friend. (laughs) Thanks. So, yeah, and I was explaining, look, all we got to do is stop belly aching. Take a lesson from the Jews. Stick together. I don't mean in a. I don't consider what the Jews do is racist because people will go, oh, well, we're very cliquish. No, you you understand the community and, and the, what's against you, and you said until other people can understand that, let's make sure we represent Judaism in the right way, and that's why when this guy was reading off all the accomplishments of Jews at ZOA. I was like, I mean, I already liked Jewish people, but I was like, holy crap, I may have to divorce my wife and marry a Jewish chick. You know what? (laughs) We want to use exactly the same tactic with the Live and Let Live movement. That's why we're doing this, and we haven't talked about it on the podcast, Mm -hmm. I don't think, before, but this business network thing. Yeah. Like, we want to, you know, the movement hasn't kicked off yet. We're already growing really fast. We don't kick off till next March, March of 23. 
And um, we're doing this business network, and the idea is that line up your business with the movement, right? Do what we do. We have every, all the lawyers here sign something called the Live and Let Live Pledge. It's not. I agree with the legal principle. I agree with the moral principle. I'm going to live my life according to these values. Mm-hmm. Okay, sign here. Welcome to the Live and Let Live movement. Be a Live and Let Live business, and let's support each other. Let's trade with each other. Let's put money in the pocket of people who like to live and let live philosophy. Because you know what? I hate to say it like this, but the world is dividing out into two main groups, the aggressors and the non-aggressors. There's us, the live and let live crowd, is making it really clear to people we think aggression is wrong. For everybody, groups, governments, let's, we're always against aggression. Whatever's going on, if somebody's aggressive, I'm against it. I think it should be illegal. We should stop it. We should put people in jail if we prove it. That's well, what- I, I would love to see that philosophy take hold, and I'm going to tell you why. So I'm this little kid growing up in San Antonio, and um, I remember in the second grade, my cousin and one of his buddies, I don't even know why, they were going to beat me up when I was coming home from school one day. Been and there. I, yeah. I was scared. I was like, man, they're third graders, yeah. by the way. And, you know, in second grade. Right. You know, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's yeah. a big deal. Third, third grader, right. <laughs> even if it's one third grader, yeah. but it was two. Yeah. So I was getting ready to cross this bridge. And um, it was my own cousin. Oh, and I'm no. looking at him like, what, what, you know, what the heck, you know? So anyway, I remember saying in my mind, okay, fight on. So as soon as they walked up, is it, and, and the other third grader was bigger than, they were both bigger than I was, but my, the other guy was, my, was bigger than my cousin. And as soon as I got within distance of him, I just popped him right in the face. And he just, yeah. ah! Right. He starts crying, and my when my cousin was like going shocked over him. I went and hit my cousin. Yeah, wow. So both of them are crying. Wow. And I just remember picking up my books and going, <laughs> "All right, you know." So, but anyway, the point I was going to make is this: I already knew I was going to have to fight. Yeah. So self defense is the case you're making. My kids, my four sons, they had some some scuffs, scuffles, but I have four black belts, by the way. Wow. So I taught them how to fight. But the only fights they ever got into were very rare, very rare, uh, because once they fought, the kids went, whoa, this is a whole different ball game. Yeah. So they stopped. But here's what I said to all my sons after the fact, at, at spending 40 plus years in the martial arts, I go, the biggest waste of my time ever, going to a dojo, you know, going to practice, going to a dojo for an hour and a half, two hours you know, a few times a week, et cetera. Why? Because of the threat of violence in my community. Just the threat. Yeah. How much time? Imagine what I could have done with those hours in something else. Now, I'm, I'm a pretty smart guy. I mean, I've done well. But what if I had that time back into something else that was non, you know, combative? You're, you're, of course, packed into what you're saying is the reason I go there is not because of personal enjoyment the re- or fitness or something. The reason I go is because I have to go to defend myself because there are aggressors who live among us. Right. Most I, people who do the martial arts have the, the luxury of doing it because they enjoy it. It's a physical sport for them. You, they like you, the reflection. You white boys do. <laughs> That's my point. Like, <laughs> Part of his privilege. Well, I can say that, but like one of my good friends, Jerry Tremble, Jerry, a uh, very good martial artist, he was bullied. So he went. But, but the point is, in the black community— you grow up with this attitude of aggression. You don't know how to handle that aggression. You're like rogue elephants. I'll tell you a rogue elephant story in a second. But you're like rogues. You don't, you, you don't, somebody looks at you wrong and you can get shot. 
You know, somebody bumps you, says, I'm, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter. You're still going to get in a fight or whatever. And you grow up with a mentality of aggression. You're waiting for it. You're inviting it. And so look at our politics today. We have people that are waiting for the fight. Yeah. Look at what happens when a cop get kills, get, you know, kills somebody. You, you don't, God forbid it's a white cop to kill the black guy. It doesn't even, even if, matter what the facts are. And, and right? it doesn't matter if yeah. the white, if the cop, the black dude was get, had a gun pointed at the cop and was it killed three other people. We if had that, the one just recently where the, woman, the, the female was charging the police officer with the knife. Yeah. And the officer had, was required to use deadly, deadly force. force. And I remember looking at it because Andy and I critique a lot of these videos. That's what we do for a living. Right. And I looked at it and I thought, you know, this one looks like it's justified to me. And yet still, there were people marching. There was outrage. There was this. I'm like, do, do we not agree on she was coming at the officer nope. with a knife? Which brings me to what you said earlier where you're talking about you're kind of summarizing sort of what the peace movement is about. Yeah. Well, it depends on what you define as peace, right? The, there's a black dude br that breaks into a, a black lady's house. She had security systems. She was headed to work. She turned around, saw it. He's a young kid. She goes back home, ends up shooting this kid. They have a confrontation inside the house. She ends up killing this black kid. His sister and his cousin stood in front of a camera and said, why did she have to kill him? All he was trying to do was pay, get some stuff so he could pay for his books for school. That's the rationalization you get in our community. So we're not talking apples to apples. When I was on Glenn Beck, I told the story of my nephew, who was a drug dealer, straight up drug dealer, he used to, to handle drugs from uh, up the Arkansas, Texas corridor. Anyway, never got caught, but he, he was telling me a story. He says, yeah, Uncle Kid, he says, um, so man, um, my best friend, he, he, he hit, our, his, uh, hit my niece. He goes, he hit, hit uh, my sister. And so he goes, I didn't know. He says, but my, you know, his other, my other nephew, he says, well, he, that all I knew was uh, my, my brother wanted to kill him. And so the word got out he was going to kill this kid so for beating, beating his sister. Now, just think about this. He's going to kill the guy wow. because he hit his sister. Wow. So uh, anyway, he says, uh, well, he goes, I go, go, to, go to my best friend's house, and, and he sees me, and he takes off running. So I know I got to shoot him. Oh. Now he said, and I go, I'm like, whoa, pump the brakes. You have to shoot him. Yeah, I got to shoot him, but... I'm going to shoot him in the stomach so he knows I'm not trying to kill him. Oh, wow. Now, I'm just giving you some ideas yeah. around the rationalization that happens in the streets. This is like prison mentality, you know, PTSD nonsense. But this is what is confronted. So when we talk about this, the peace movement, you got to understand you're dealing with a lot of people that don't have any clue of how the real world should work. Yeah. So f go back to this idea of not understanding who you are. My, I mentioned earlier my mother died before I turned five. I wasn't joking. I, it wasn't from COVID. She died from a blood clot. Yeah. So I had trouble in relationships because when your mother dies and somebody comes up to you and says, man, you pissed me off or whatever. And you're like, so what? Go. Yeah. Your attitude is get the stepping. Right. Because if I can lose my mother, I don't need to care about you. Mm -hmm. That's the callousness that grows up that comes up in you. So when you talk about a father being in prison, which mine was, or you talk about a, father, a crackhead mom or, you know, got a lot of boyfriends and people coming in and out, you have this callous over the people's hearts where they don't have the same mentality of peace. Yeah, and we got to fix this, right? We can't pass a law and fix this. You're There's exactly not going right. to be one person who stands up with a magnanimous personality is going to fix. We got to fix this. Yeah. This is why 
we're pushing the moral principle. If we're going to say something in this area, let's say something good. See, you're speaking exactly right about it in terms of fixing it. The way you fix it is you have to be vocal about what you believe your truth right. to be. What we've allowed is the lie to become the truth. We got to bring a positive message. This is why we're affirmatively saying first own the message, which is what we're telling people. And when, when I meet with the chapter leaders around the world, what I say to them is first own the message. Get your brain around what we're saying about the legal principle and the moral principle. And then the very next thing. Live the damn message. Live it. Don't just talk about voluntary kindness and being a good human. Actually lead. Be a good human. Speak a certain way. Bring it professional. Bring it in a way we want our kids to speak. Bring it in a way that our grandparents hopefully told us, said, hey, here's how you should act. Let's not just argue about it. Let's live it. Lead it. Let's really believe in the message. Feel that we're right about it. I don't feel bad about trying to encourage people to be good humans. We got to start with us. Let's just live the message. Let's teach our kids certain things. Well, I will tell you, I, I, talk, I call it high touch. So my wife and I have gotten a, about a thousand kids. They're forever families. And what I tell people is it isn't done in some vacuum. We know the kids. We know the families. I, I'll speak from my personal truth. So this family that, that we went to work for, my grandfather was a chef for their, the, the patriarch of that family when we were in San Antonio. He died. Very wealthy man, left his fortune to his daughter who moved us to the ranch. So we, my grandfather was a chef and caretaker of all that, and my grandmother as well. So that's how we got there. But what, what happened was they lived it. When I, they would be setting up, we'd be setting up for parties or whatever, and I knew our place. We were the, the workers. I carried the bags out when yeah. people's cars arrived and, you know, whatever, and put them up and yeah. be very nice. You worked, in other words. I worked, words, right? right. It was a job, and I knew my place. Yeah. But, but it was the nicest group of people. But what I will tell you is this. They were high touch. I remember I was singing in the kitchen one day. And um, Mrs. Mormon, who was the, the lady, the, the rich lady that owned the place, she says, Kevin. And I said, yes, ma'am. She says, would you like voice lessons? And I was thinking, do I need them? Because <laughs> I got a great voice. <laughs> but anyway, she goes, uh, she goes, you, you have a lovely voice. Like, do you want to, to ex wow. expand on it? like yeah, that? Yeah. Lewis, her husband, went, this is a different event. He was sitting at a at a table playing a backgammon with a guy. And he says, uh, well. You know, when we uh, get to the the wildlife park in Kenya, then we'll figure out all the logistics or whatever. And I went, Mr. Mormon, I go, you're going to Kenya? And Betty goes, Lou, take Kevin. No. Yeah. <laughs> really? That was the way they were. It was like, it was, and so my point wow. is, wow. high touch. Dr. Jamplis, the doctor, I remember his name like it was yesterday. He was the doctor for the Stanford football team. I was 14 years old. I was walking through the, the, uh, lots with some drinks and Dr. Jamplis says, Kevin, come here. And I came over, he says, he says, you play, you play football? I said, yes, sir. He goes, you any good? And I go, he goes, if you're good, say it. I said, I'm really good. He goes, I thought so. He goes, if you get some size on you, he goes, maybe you'd consider coming to Stanford. And he pulls out his card. He says, I'm the doctor of the Stanford football team. You just let them know that I'm the you know, one that recommended you. So he was going to get me into Stanford. Right. So he ends up giving me a horse because he just liked me. He gives me a horse. We get my horse. My horse arrives. Betty finds out that my brother didn't have a horse. And she says she calls the foreman of the ranch and says, give Kirk a horse. Wow. So here's my point. High touch. 
you could call Kevin, white people are racist. I go, you continue to think that way. I know different. That's the difference. So when you talk about engaging, that's what, if you want to change people's hearts and minds about anything, has anybody ever said anything negative about you? And then somebody actually meets you and goes, he's not anywhere close to what so-and-so said. Who, who's the bigger liar? You know, you don't have to do anything. That person that lied on you is now a liar and you become the purveyor of truth. You know, what's interesting about this story, what I love about it so much is that, you know, the living these principles that we're talking about. Right. Don't be an aggressor and try to be a good human. These are not all cases, but in most cases, these are the things that actually work. You're not giving anything up by being a good human. You're not giving anything up by building a high level of trust. You're gaining. This is how you become successful. The people you're talking about, these are people I would say live in the message, voluntary kindness, mm-hmm. right? Tolerance, open-mindedness. These kinds of things are probably what made them successful in the first place. And, and when, I, you say, when you say learning through high touch too, it just I think about like every single time that I've seen a situation where cultures are mixed in a given place become more of a melting pot, you immediately see more open-mindedness. Like, yeah, totally. You, you may have, for example, you may have a certain mentality about homosexuals or something like that. But if you live amongst them and you talk to them and you make a friend who's one and you, the case. immediately the case. it's like, oh, people, we're really not that people different. People aren't are that different everywhere in the world. And so I think we need to start talking about this message because one of the ways we like to lead and live and let live is we say we're post-racial. Like, don't care what package you come in. Don't care. Really don't care. It's not like, like we don't care about that stuff. We don't care if you're who you love. We don't care what, with what you believe. Like if you're a live and let live, or if you follow these moral principles and you agree with us on the legal principle, you're not an aggressor. You're one of us. And so we're trying to really push content of character. And I like to cite Martin Luther King on this one because he was absolutely right here. Judging people by content of character rather than color of skin. We're past it in our movement. That's what our, the, movement is about well here's what's interesting so we came in and you go you're jewish i didn't even know oh i wouldn't have done this show no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I truly i i mean i probably would if had i it, it had it been like kevin go in and assess the racial racial makeup i would have thought okay he looks jewish but i didn't you came in like hey right and so i your personality overtook that right I'm happy. You know what? I'm happy to meet another human being. I think we need to be more like dogs in this area. You know, a dog sees another dog like, hey, you know, they got to get over there and see the other. Just dog. don't sniff my butt. Yeah, yeah, other than I'm, that, I'm, I'm good, good with you on that deal. <laughs> but, but, you know, like we're on the planet for such a short time. We're yeah. so lucky to be conscious. We live at the best time ever. Oh. There is no I don't care what color you your skin is. There ain't never been a better time to be on the planet than right this second. And we happen to be here at the same time and we meet each other. Right. This is an awesome opportunity to get to know another human. That's the, to me, if you are wondering, like, what's more important than money, your relationships with other people, way more important than money. money we should get excited when we're meeting another human being. Yeah. And I, I said to you, I don't know if you caught it at the beginning, you had said something like, yeah, I'm sure I agree with you guys already. And I said... I hope we disagree on something. Yeah. It's super fun because, you know, for me, this I look at this and say this is an opportunity for me to change my mind here and be improved on Absolutely. something going forward. Absolutely. Yeah, we should. We, we need to change how people think about being wrong. We need to change about – we don't need to talk to the black community. We need to talk to our community, community But you know, so humans. You, you bring up a, a thing about being wrong. You said that earlier. Yeah. And, and I've looked at the psychology of it. Yeah. Your chemistry changes when you're wrong, even if, like, you have a concept – and it, like like you mentioned, I told you I'm profound, right? 
and I told a story and you when you are profound, your chemistry changes when your mind learns something yeah. different. And, and you may not notice it, but I promise you, your chemistry changes. Mm-hmm. And it's a different way your brain th- thinks about it. And you think differently. It, it increases endorphins. It does yeah. a lot of things. Yeah, I, my son, I used to force him to learn calculus in the eighth grade because he was mad. And I had him do it. And so he was doing pre-calc. So in the ninth grade, he has to take this they, they pop quiz post-COVID. And he gets it, and he was like, oh, like what? And then he looks at it, and he's like, oh, wow, this is easy. So he takes, he does a test easy. All the kid, these kids are crying in his class. So he comes home, he says, hey, Dad, we had a pop quiz in math. The teacher wanted to assess where we were. And I went, how'd you do? He goes, I aced it. Wow. I went, really? I go, how'd that feel? He goes, it, was, it, it felt good. Yeah, I, said, I said, why'd you have that feeling? He goes, and he, he does his head like this. I go, because I was a hard butt. Yeah. And so he, I go, remember. Give me some love on that one right there. Yeah. <laughs> I always tell him, you're not their friends. You're the parent. That's a different role. doesn't mean you got to be mean or, or horrible or anything like that, but there's a role. If you're going to take on being a parent, there's a certain thing you got. You're trying to hand some wisdom back to the next Absolutely. generation. So, yeah. so he, I, I wanted him, I said, what, how'd you feel? Yeah. But here's what I want you, wanted him to understand. There's a chemical Mm-hmm. There was, that feeling is something yeah. that was a chemical. Right. And you went, first he went, oh, pop, and then he went, oh, wow, I've seen this. This is nothing. And, he, and I go, that feeling is the chemical you want to feel. Yeah. And I said, that's what you want to do. I'm going to tell you guys. And, and that change that you're talking about, too, is even so much more profound. Not when you're just simply adding facts, but when you were mistaken about something yes. and you get a paradigm shift yeah. and you see the world in, in awesome. one way that you awesome. were certain was correct one minute. Exactly. But here's the here's the here's where, you know, you're dealing with a child is when they learn that thing and they tighten up and they get defensive because they're child of any age, any age. And I'm I'm talking about adults. I I hear you. Adults that are like mad that you have enlightened them. Enlightenment should have that feeling. But when you know you're dealing with somebody that doesn't understand it and is approaching things the wrong way is when you see that pushback, like, oh, you think you're smart. No, I'm not trying to be smarter than you. I'm trying to enlighten you. You know, as I'm telling people in this movement, I'm traveling around, I'm talking to the different chapters, we're attracting such wonderful people. You know why they're wonderful people? Because the thing that binds us together is this, these two principles I'm talking about. And people who adopt these principles, they're fun to talk to. Absolutely. They're open-minded. Yes. They're excited to be corrected. They're, you know, when people, when you sit down with people and they say, oh, awesome, we disagree. Well, tell me more about that. I don't I want to understand better your position I, you, and things you, like this. You say disagree a lot. I think it's not, like, for example, you guys know more in the legal field. And I, I mean, I couldn't fill a thimble. I could give you my layman's view and you got kevin it right but you you when we were in the lobby you were giving me 50 scenarios i was like i didn't even think about any of that but i didn't it wasn't like i'm mad look you're good you're better at so that's great that you know that's what makes us so beautiful division of labor yes yeah and so anyway i want to i want to talk about this uh uh rogue elephant story yeah yeah we want to hear it so i want to tell you two things because i don't know how much time we have so the rogue elephant story was i was in africa and uh at at a game park and the rhinoceros were being killed. This is going to be literally about a rogue elephant. I thought it was some kind of clever <laughs> <laughs> analogy or something. Now I'm even more excited. Yeah. Right. No, <laughs> so this is a true true deal. They did a special about it, too. So the rhinoceros were be, get, being killed, and they, they thought they were being shot by poachers because they'd have a, a hole in them this big, you know, and they were just laying down, you know, dead. 
but they weren't taking the horn. And so they thought, well, we're just getting there in time before the poachers yeah. could actually finish doing what they did. So they set up um, wildlife game cameras, and they found these elephants. They, the, there were a bunch of elephants. The mothers, the matriarchs had been killed for their tusk. Mm -hmm. And they took all these junior elephants and put them in this one game park, and they just grew up rogue. And so what they found with the game thing is that the elephants would be at the water hole in a rhinoceros. You know, that's a fairly docile animal, and they're never they're not like adversaries. They'd go up to drink water, and the elephants would come nudge them, and the rhinoceros would be like, leave me alone. You know, he'd go over to go drink water. And ultimately, these rogue teenage elephants would gore the rhinoceros and kill them. That's what they found. Mm. That is what is happening in the black community. We have a bunch of kids growing up without the matriarch or without a father, some sort of a figure, and they have no idea how to behave. And so I, I call that the, uh, the elephant story because I see that as a parallel. But the other one I want to tell you is about changing minds. So I was speaking, it was October about seven years ago at a waterfront in St. Louis. It's a couple thousand people. And uh, I got, it was impromptu. I went just to support a buddy of mine who was on the radio. And he saw me, he says, Kev, come up and say a few words. So I went up and, you know, told about, you know, politics. And I said, you know, if you're not a free thinker and if you're, you know, one of these knuckle-dragging Neanderthals that thinks you're blah, blah, blah. And I actually said that term after speaking for about five to seven minutes. So I go back. And um, they, somebody had a box of my books and goes, will you sign these books? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I'm signing the books. And there's this guy standing over, uh, and he's all bucked up, man, a white kid. And uh, I'm signing books, and I'm very observant because just my martial arts training. Yeah. I'm going to know who You're to aware. beat up, right? So I see this guy standing to my left out of the corner of mine. I'm smiling, signing books. And when the books ran out, he waited till everybody left. And then he kind of bucked up and walked up. And he stuck his hand out, and he had a really good grip. I, I, I measure, you know, the grip. Had a good grip, shook his hand. He says, uh, Mr. Jackson. He goes, uh, he's looking around, but he won't look me in the eye. And he says, uh, I'm one of them knuckle-dragging Neanderthals you were talking about. That's what he said. Really? He literally said, I'm one of those. I'm one, he goes, I'm one of them knuckle-dragging Neanderthals you were talking about up there. He goes, man, but uh, I just wanted to come shake your hand because, you know, uh, and I said, hey, man, let me stop you. I said, let me shake your hand. I said, you just grew a hell of a lot. I said, it took guts for you to come here and say what you're wow. about to say. So I shook his hand. And this, but I, I made him look at me. You know, I, we shook his hands. I said, I said, I'm proud of you. Yeah. And so then he goes, he goes, man, uh, you know, a lot of things you were saying, man. I mean, yeah, I grew up this, that, and the other. But, man, I'm listening to you. And, you know, and he, and he goes on to tell me that these words touched him. And, and, and here's what he said. He goes, Man, I ain't, he goes, I ain't going to lie. He goes, uh, you know, where I got to go back, because he, he drove to go like an hour or so. He goes, where I got to go, uh, he goes, man, you know, people, that's the way they think. You know, I mean, it, you know, and, and I said, hey, it doesn't matter how much they change. I said, what matters is that you changed. I said, look, if you got to go back, you play the game, you do what you need to do. But here's what you and I know. We spoke man to man. I respect you. No matter what you go back, I don't care how many times you drop the N-word. It doesn't matter to me, man, because I know what you and me are about right now. And he shook my hand and then he walked off. And I tell people that story because it fits in right exactly with what you're saying. Once people get exposed, Descartes said, the mind once expanded never regains its original shape. 
That's our go- That's our mission. You got it. Yeah. And and I'm good at stuff. You're good at stuff. I don't lament what you're good at. You're better at legal. I'm never going to try my case when I got you, right? That's I would be right. stupid yeah, to right, do that. Right. So you have to embrace this idea that there are people that know more and can put impart that knowledge and be will. I want to learn more up to a point. I, you know, I want to be dangerous in the law. We all benefit <laughs> from that. I don't know how to make an iPhone. Yeah. I don't need to know. I don't want to know how to make an iPhone, but I want an iPhone. Yeah, I'm this glad. Is, this is why we have trade. This is why trade. Trade is win-win. When free market, unrestricted trade. Because it's win-win, we want as much of that as possible. We were just talking about this the short essay called I Pencil. Oh, you yeah. ever heard of the it's uh-uh. it's an essay told from the perspective of a pencil. By Leonard the, Leonard Reed. The idea is no one human being on the planet Earth possesses all the skills you need to create a pencil. This yeah. is this is the collaboration of so many different minds. The and rubber, talents. the steel, the lead, the, lead, the, wood, the wood, the whole thing. The pain, right. everything like yeah. that. The and market, the how it concept. changes. Yes. It's a celebration of specialization, yeah. realizing that other people know more than you about yeah. things and, and saying that that's what makes humanity special. But why is that so, you know, it's a dangerous concept for some people, that the idea that they don't know it all. I mean, I talk to people, we'll, I'll be having a discussion about something of which I am a de facto expert. Okay, one of the top in the 10 people in the country, if not the world on the subject. And somebody will argue with me and I'm and I'll debate them. And then at some point I'll say this. I go, what do you do for a living? They go, I'm a carpenter or whatever. And I go, how much time do you actually spend on the subject matter that we're talking about right now in a day? Not just how much. How much have you spent in the last month? And the numbers are astounding. And I go, so if I were to come to you and I were to talk to you about carpentry, as an example, and impart all my knowledge of carpentry, which wouldn't fill a thimble in what you do, would you look at me and go, are you out of your mind if I'm talking about, well, you know, if you took route it this way, you'd be, you'd say, look, stick to what you know. Can you acknowledge that you do not know as much as I know? If I were talking to you guys about legal stuff, and I went into my, well, you know, I watch Perry Mason, (laughs) you guys would laugh me out of the place, and rightfully so. We have to be able to make people stop and go, you know what? Here's what I know. I I was talking about Russia, Ukraine on my show. I said, let me say this. None of us. I'm going to give you my knowledge of Russia and Ukraine. It won't fill a thimble. Yours fills less of the thimble. I've studied it for the last week. And you're going to say, we don't know what the facts are, right? You you don't know. Okay. I'm with you there. Can we say something else, though? Here's mm-hmm. what I want to say, and I totally agree with you, and I think it's an excellent point. We need to be able to step back and say, look, I don't know. I don't know how viruses work. I don't know what the studies are on masks. I don't know how dangerous corona is. There's lots of things we don't know. But here's what I can say that I think is important to understand live and let live. Yeah. I don't know what's going on over there between Ukraine and Russia, but I know this. Whoever the aggressor is, I'm against that person. Because I'm always against aggression. So if we can figure out who the aggressor is, and I understand that's, a, that's quite a project, but the more important point is once we identify someone as being the aggressor, which is force, fraud, coercion, or doing something that endangers another person, we're against that person. In other words, it takes a principled approach and puts the focus on the right place rather than a, irrelevant Yes, details. we should stop fighting about factual disputes, put those on pause, and say, hold on. Can we at least agree that whoever the aggressor is, that's who we're against. Whatever color skin they are, whatever they were thinking. Someone asked me the other day, 
this guy's thinking about running for, I don't want to say because I don't want to identify, but he's running. We have several people running for political office now. We're going to identify as live and let live candidates. And this person calls me up and says, Mark, what, what is the live and let live position on the BLM? I said, well, that's a great question. The, the live and let live position on the BLM is exactly the same it is on everything to the extent they're violating the live and let live legal principle, which means if anybody's being an aggressor, we're against them. So if they're throwing chairs through windows or taking shit, well, that violates the principle. So I'm against, I don't care what they're thinking. I'm against that. If they're not doing that, maybe they're roaming down the street and screaming something. I don't care what they're screaming. They get to scream whatever the hell they want to scream. Well, the other part of it, though, is, is the truth. You, you, you talked about truth. I made a movie called Bleeding Blue, which is a pushback to BLM and this nonsense that cops are indiscriminately targeting blacks. The most targeted group, by the way, per capita is the uh, Native American, and then whites, and then blacks, believe it or not. So blacks are third on the list, statistically. So it's it's built on a lie. It was built on the lie of Michael Brown Jr., you know, hands up, don't shoot. That's been proven by Obama's Justice Department and so on. So part of it has to be truth. But let's go back to Ukraine. I agree with you that you got to find the aggressor and whatever. But here's what I can guarantee you we all agree. Whatever number of refugees, people that have been displaced from their homes, what would it take for you to leave your home, any of us, right quite now? A, quite a bit. A lot, yeah. right? And three million people, as, of, as we sit here now, did it, Huge. made that decision. Yeah. So we can all agree that's bad. No question about that. So how about that is common ground? And then we start looking at aggression because, you know, you hear one group say, well, Kevin, in the east, in the Donald's region, there's a lot of oppression from the old regime of Nazis, et cetera. Okay, again, here's my thimble. I can't fill a thimble with what I know there. I've never been. I don't know who sides with Russia, who sides with the West and all of that. So to that point, let's figure out the aggressors and take what you bring up is evidence. The three million people is evidence that they're worried about aggression somewhere. There's somebody concerned and whatever. It t- I know what it takes for me to leave my house. Right. So it, it made three million people decide to say enough is enough. Let's go mm-hmm. and look for sanctuary elsewhere, probably on foot if in many cases, because, you, you know, so uh, whatever those circumstances are, we can agree it's horrible. Yeah. We want to observe that the problem in all of these cases is aggression. Mm-hmm. Like we don't care what color your skin is or what your cause is. Nobody gets to aggress against another person. We need to be firm about this on the law. This breaks out really easily on lots of issues. How do we feel about smoking weed? Well, are there competent adults involved? Are they violating the legal principle? Are they aggressing? If they're not, like everything else, leave them the hell alone legally. You can say whatever you want on the moral issue. That's fine. If they are aggressing, say they get in their vehicle and now they drive down the road and they're creating a substantial risk of harm against another person, well, because that violates the rule, we're against that. Right. We feel the same way on every issue. You can apply this to gambling. You can apply this to taxes. You can apply it to regulation. What regulations do I think are okay? Well, the ones that are in harmony with the legal principle, the ones that aren't, those go in the moral world. We have, we have opinions about how people should live their lives. And this is why I'm much more optimistic about getting our message out because a lot of, a huge swath of people who are on the left, there's different reasons why people are on the left. Some of those people, I think a lot of those people on the left have the right things in their heart. They're trying to do what we want to do when we say voluntary kindness, help people less fortunate, help people get education, help, help people get health care. We want to do that in the Live and Let Live movement. We just recognize that when you put that 
ethical point into the law, now you're violating the rule because you're forcing your moral views on other people. Right. Yeah, Let's get it done. Let's just do it outside the law. They're wrong for the right reasons. Yes. You know, something you just said there, right. you're like, you know, I, I think the majority of them, let's not mince words here. Let's give our fellow human being the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so easy. This is something we were talking about at the yeah. beginning of the show. It's easy to just tar and feather somebody right. who doesn't think like you and say, screw, they're all idiots, all those stupid Democrats. Well, but, let, but let's let's analyze this for a second, because I get into these philosophical discussions a lot. I'll have leftists say to me, and, and I'm using a label only for the, the sake of the discussion, because yeah. I don't think of anybody as anything, to be honest with you. But... I need to explain it. So left says, Kevin, I hear a lot of people say, I'm a fiscal conservative, but I'm a, a social, social liberal. Social liberal, yeah. Right? And so I'll go, well, t define social liberal for me. And usually they'll go, well, so I'm for gay marriage. And I go, okay, so am I. I just don't believe they can steal the word marriage any more than they can steal the rainbow. Okay? I, I was going to make a shirt one time. It was a rainbow shirt, and it says, I'm not gay, and this is just a rainbow. Because that's all it is. But we've got symbolism around it. And so the idea is you can be married. No, you could be married or garried. Because I had a discussion with a lady once and she said, I'm, I'm getting married. And I said, wow, who's a lucky guy? And she got upset. And I went, what? And, and she's like, and her girlfriend's like, she's, she's not marrying a guy. And I went, oh, so you're getting larried like that. And she goes, what do you mean? I said, it's a lesbian wedding. You're getting larried. You're not getting married. But see, what I would say is this issue you're discussing, well, it's an interesting issue. It ain't a legal issue. And so what this means is we first recognize where this discussion should be taking place in the moral area. You don't have to recognize any marriage you want for any reason. That's your no, business. But, but I, I want to go back to the social but, contract. The social contract is that I don't like that marriage. Right. That's that's essentially she's. Oh, you're just this bigot that thinks I'm marrying a guy. No, I'm just an ordinary human being that knows that the majority of people who get married are male and female. Statistically, I'm probably right. I just happen to be wrong. And you want to impose your your. How are they imposing? Because she looked at me like. Like. So? Well, no, it isn't just a so, because my point to her was I don't have a problem with you marrying a woman, with you in a relationship with a woman. You're just saying don't call it a marriage. It's it. The, but what if she does? What okay, if she so, says, I don't care what you think. I'm calling it a marriage. I don't care. But here, who cares about the no, whole No, but here's what I care about, because then you get into the legal issue of, well, now you must call it a marriage. Okay, there's where we get We say it ain't a legal we're, issue. We're with you on this. It, it ain't a legal issue. It's a moral issue. I, look, I, I, then we don't have to argue I, about I, it. I don't. Again, I, here's my thimble for legal. <laughs> I can't feel it. All I'm telling you is. You, you're not going to try to make me feel bad because I don't recognize this. And you're not going to tell me conservatives don't like what you're doing strictly because we're having a tete-a-tete -a -a over the lexicon. I agree with you here. That's all ridiculous. I, all I'm saying back to you is the most important point in this entire discussion isn't whether it's really a marriage or not. The most important point here is that this issue, because nobody's violating the legal principle here, 
stays in the moral world. So if you two guys or you two women want to call yourself married or you married your pet frog and you want to call yourself married, that doesn't put any obligation on me or the church or any corporation or or or, any business. Or the idea of a conservative not being down with what you're doing. Anybody can do anything they want. want. Don't violate the legal principle. So my biggest issue is what is a I am a social liberal? It, it, by that definition, I'm a social. My, my point is always to them is I'm as liberal as you are because I don't give a crap what you do. But what I do give a crap is when you say you're going to use special pronouns for me when I spent 30 years learning the pronouns I'm supposed to use. And now I got to redo it just because you decide you want to change it in midstream. Sorry, not going to happen. And my point back to both of you is I don't <laughs> care what you call yourselves. The only thing I care about is whether someone's violating that legal principle. And I got things to say about how you should act, but you can say, you know what, Mark, I don't care about anything you're saying. I don't care what you call yourself. I don't care if you say you're married or not. You could say you're straight or this or that or whatever you say. Don't care. As as soon as the offended pronoun person tells you, and I'm going to pass a law to force you to call me. Now we got a problem. Now we have an issue with it. But I want to get back to the 30,000 foot level. Don't call me a a right wing radical when I don't care. What if they do? No. What if I say you're a right wing radical? You're, you're, you keep uh, you're gonna I fire know. you're gonna fire back with that every time. Every time because I want to focus on what we gotta convince that, them of. No, what I gotta convince you of is that I don't have a problem with you. I don't have a problem with what you want from me. I don't have a problem with what you think of yourself. The problem I have is when you think you can force me to do it. Right. That's my problem. We're with you. And I, and I have a problem when you automatically presume that I'm against you from this social construct. I'm not against gay marriage. I'm not against you smoking dope till you die on your vine. I don't care what you do. So let me say back to you what I think you just said. <laughs> Okay. Let me gonna, you tell me if I legal explain. You tell me if I got it. You tell me if I got <laughs> you it wrong. Explain. Go juice me. You tell me if I you tell me if I've if I've encapsulated everything you just said, term. right? You tell me if I got everything everything you just said. All right. If you don't violate the legal principle, you can do whatever you want. Pretty much. That's really what you just said. In other words, if you're not aggressing against me, you don't have, you're not forcing me to do anything as you put it, which is to violate the legal principle. If you're not violating the legal principle, I don't really care That's that much. That's part of it, but the what, big, what the else bi- is out the, there? The bigger message for me is stop trying to tell me who I am because you have this preconceived idea. It would be like looking at me and saying, Kevin, I bet you're a Democrat because yeah. you're black. You're making an argument in the moral realm, which we want to make, by the way, in, in our moral principle. We agree with you well, there. Well, what I want for this audience to get out of it is there are people that are pushing this notion. That if you have the label, then again, I don't carry a label. I'm a pragmatist, love a searcher it. for seeker of truth. Yeah, I love it. That's what I am. So, but if if I were to fit into the category, I'm a conservative. But I proudly will that wear that ban- that moniker because I know the reason why I call my brand originally the Black Sphere was because a sphere holds all the is the most voluminous thing in space. Okay. Mm. And the blackness of it was not racial. It was a black hole. Anything that deserved to get out of that had to break through the, the gravity of, the, of a black hole. Nothing can. Yeah. Nothing. And so what it also meant was I look at when you give me a problem, here's what I do. I'll tell you my thought process. I go to the opposite side of the problem. I take your side. Yeah. Then I start going around the sphere. Looking at all the different points of view. And by the time I come to my conclusion, I've looked at it from every point yes. in the sphere. It's yeah. not linear. 
You know, it's not in a triangle. It's not in a rectangle. It's in a sphere. I've looked at it from every point of view. And if my thought can escape, that's the one that wins. And not that we're looking for winners and losers. Yeah, no, you're right. You want the truth. So at the end of the day, when you say to me, the social construct is, if you don't believe in gay marriage, and I don't want to get into the legal, I'm talking about on the social aspect of it, I'm going, that's not true. I believe that you can put, you can be with whomever you want to be, and I support it. So that takes away your argument that I'm some bigoted homophobic. And that's the problem with, and again, I'm not looking for labels here, but if you want to say conservatives, you're homophobic, racist, bigoted, xenophobic, sexist, etc. No, we're not. We're none of those things. But we allow people to, to give us those, those, that, those uh, monikers because we don't push back and say, explain to me how you're different. You know, you've heard people like I have in the past say things like, oh, I'm against gambling. I'm against marijuana. I'm against all these things they're against. I've always heard these people over the years, and I, it always raises a question in my mind every single time. You're against marijuana. Hmm. Are you against it for you, or are you, are you against it for me? Because that's the big issue I care about, right? If, if, if you're against it just for you, don't use it. If you're against it just for, if what you're saying is you're against it just for you, is that, if that's what you mean when you say I'm against marijuana or gambling? Well, okay, we can have a fun discussion there, but I don't really care that much. Right. Right? Okay, you're against it for you. Who cares? Mm -hmm. If what you're saying is you're against it for me, well, now we have an interesting discussion because that's what I actually care about. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want. That's what we in the Live and Let Live community are trying to say to people. How we should think about the issue of marijuana is not whether you're against it or you're for it. That's who cares about that. The question is, are you against it or are you for it for other people? And what we're saying is... And a lot is, of these things of issues of you saying, I'm against it for you, you're not going to get any pushback none, from us. We don't I, care. Really. We, we agree we shouldn't <laughs> yeah, kill people or rape people or murder people or steal their stuff. What you're for or against, it can be an interesting side discussion. But if we're trying to change the world, what we got to get people to understand is what do they mean by that statement? Yeah. If all you're saying is, I'm against it for me personally, we say, great. Yeah. You can act however you want in your life. We have suggestions. We call them the moral principle. But if you're against it for somebody else, yeah, that's a really now you're saying that's an interesting. You're going to be an aggressor, yeah. Because it, to use to say you're against me smoking weed or being uh, gambling or something, you're going to stop me with force at some point. So coming back, taking that back to the gay marriage issue, what hum what what human beings do between each other if they want to call each other married if they're in love, whether it's a man and a woman, two women, two men, whatever it may, a guy and his pet frog, whatever it may be. Competent adults have a right to enter into agreements with one another and can call themselves whatever they want, married, married, buried, whatever they want. But where the rubber hits the road is when they impose their particular yep. moral views on their agreements on other people. This is a moral issue for us. In fact, I don't even know what the government should have anything to do nothing, with marriage. Nothing, nothing. I, we would be opposed to a law banning people from entering into homosexual marriages, for example, the same way we would be opposed to a law mandating that, oh, the only definition of marriage is between a man and a woman, and it will be illegal and you'll be prosecuted. The church can not. take the position. The church can say, hey, you know, we— The church should take whatever position it wants. Well, not to interrupt you, but I want to—here's my problem. Is let's so let's just use marriage as an example. Let's just play yeah. a thought exercise. Yeah. So we redefine marriage now. So the next we time we don't have to. No, no, yeah. I'm de I'm saying however we people, some have philosophically some we're, people have we some have. have. Right. So I come in here and he says to me, Kevin, would you like a plate? And I go, Would you like another plate of coffee? And I'd go, Another plate of coffee? 
yeah, would you like another plate, uh, shameless plug, of coffee? And I'd go, no. But do you understand what it does to me? Yeah. I'm so going, that's a good argument to say, don't call that a plate. That's a that's a mug. It, well, it is what it but is. But he still can call it a plate if he wants. He can, right. but, but here's my point. Okay, so we've got this social construct of let's go to school and learn what things are. You're wearing a shirt. I can see your shirt. I wouldn't say I love those pants you're wearing and point to your shirt. It would be because bad communication. You, you would be like, what are you talking about? Poor communication. Right. So yeah. here's my point. If you want me to communicate with yep. you with what I've learned... How about we use the words that I've learned? Excellent point. This would be as ridiculous as if you walked up, based on all of your experience dealing with what a female looks like in your life, walking up to somebody who appears physically female, you saying, uh, how is she doing? And then that person gets offended saying, that's not my pronoun. And that's Shame my point. on you. That is my point about leftism is it isn't meant to do anything constructive. But the it, market can deal with this, right? If the market, if everybody starts calling that a plate, then okay. they can call that so, a plate if so, they want. Right. So, so the market is dealing with it, and you're dealing with it legally because now you can be sued if you use the wrong, if you mispronounce. Okay, so that, okay hold the up. Road. You just, yeah, right you just crossed the line right, right there. there. That's it, the problem we got right there. As that soon point. as a moral issue crosses that threshold Bam. into the legal world, we're going to stop it. Okay, so, For that reason, because so they can't aggress against so I'm us. Glad, I'm glad we've had this conversation yeah. because here's what I'm talking about. When you say to me, Kevin, you're socially against it, I'm telling you, the bigger picture, my brain is thinking very differently. My brain is in the sphere. My brain goes, you're not telling me this for that reason. What do you mean by against it? For you or for everybody? You got to stop but, that. But that's, <laughs> but that's really the only thing we care about here, what, right? Here's what I'm going for. Whether it's marriage, whether it's the new pronouns, whether it's the new lingo about what you can refer to me as, etc., it becomes a slippery slope. Now, you from the league, we can go into the legal aspect of it all you want. But what I'm getting at is people end up getting losing their jobs because you can't talk about now husband and wife at, at an at a, at a job because it, it will offend certain people. I learned what a husband and wife is. I know what that is. And now I have to take a step back. Well, if I'm stepping back all the time, what am I doing? I'm losing my First Amendment right to just say but who should make so the real, rule at yeah, the real, real quick. I knew you were going to go on the same, same thing. <laughs> yeah, we saw it go right by. Right. Well, let me try to juice you plan them real quick. All right, so th there's two different possibilities here with getting terminated for using the wrong pronoun. Number one, we're going to be horrendously opposed to, and number two, we're going to support, okay, or at least tolerate legally. Number one is a government comes along and says, we're passing a law that makes it so that you're terminated immediately if you don't use the right pronoun. For the reasons we just discussed. Title IX, any of that for, for the reasons we just discussed, we are horrendously opposed to that. We think it has no place in the law. None. It's a moral issue. But if a private business owner owns their own business, they get they, who owns the property? The private business owner. They get to make whatever rules they Don't want. Care. They and if they make uh, racist rules or sexist rules, completely or agree. Transphobic yes, rules. That's the or whatever only point is, here. The market will deal Who's with this. Who's making the decision is the point. Okay, but yeah. here, but now, okay, so we all agree. We're we're in total yeah, accord. I know. I knew we would be. No, yeah. We and I knew we were to begin with. Yeah. Right. But here's the problem. The federal government now says, here's what you got to do. That's what we're against. Boom. Totally against Only it. for the reason that the federal government, like everybody else, doesn't get to violate the just legal Just because principle. they're a group. Just because they've called themselves we're a only, group. We're, always, we're one trick pony, man. 
Is the legal principle violated? If it is, we're against it. If it's not, just hey, feed the do fact pattern into the machine, and That's it'll all. spit out a consistent. My, answer. It will, but but the thing that bugs me is that the other side in there has gotten the the big gorilla, the eight hundred pound gorilla, to actually legislate lunacy. I mean, violations think, of the rule. violations of common sense and violations of decency. Look, if I happen to mispronoun you or whatever because you want it, it's up to me to determine, do I want to fix that? I had, you know, somebody say to me, uh, she and I, you know, like some, tra- you know, transsexual. It, I'm a she. And I go, oh, sorry. I wouldn't. But, what, you don't, what if you intentionally want no, to mispronoun? No, but it, here's you my have every right to it, do that, but it, too. But right? it, it is my choice to determine if I'm going to be yes. cordial or if I'm going to tell you to go screw yourself. Yes. Right. You, got right. you got that decision. 100%. Because you're not violating the legal principle by doing that. You can do anything you want well, that and, doesn't violate, but, that's but, not aggression. But here's what's interesting about this. So, uh, you know, let's just take wordplay. You know, because Red Fox has this thing where he says, uh, I'm going to do a sentence and take one word off and, and just let you have a word. So he says, oh, no, please don't go. Oh, no, please don't. Oh, no, please. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right? Now, you could do that a hundred ways, yeah. and it's still going to vary, right? Yeah, yeah. Because that's the intonation of language. That right. is the nuance of everything totally. that we do. And now we're nuanced out of it. P- people are so afraid. I have conversations. Well, Kevin, in the, I, I teased Sean Hannity one time. He was like, he, we were doing a show, and he's like, yeah, well, the African-American guy, African-American, African, African-American, in, in like a 30-second little intro. He said African-American like seven times. And I said, I finally looked up when Sean, you mean the black guy? Right. <laughs> and, and so I've had people say to me, well, I, I go, look, I don't use the term African-American. And they go, oh, well, uh, and I go, Kevin, I don't know what's right. I go, yeah. So, see, you're you're afraid just to say the black dude. Right. Right. What? what why should you be tiptoeing over language? Why should I be trying to figure out if this is a plate? Did he really mean plate or cup? Because I know what that is. What it's meant to do is to keep us off balance. I tell people this. When you're a fighter, my job is to keep you on tilt. You're wondering, where's the punch coming from? Is he going to uppercut? And the more things I can throw at you to keep you off tilt, the more likelihood I'm going to win the fight. Mm. This is the same metaphor. If I can keep you guessing about how should I feel about you, I have to be more concerned about how you feel about what's coming out of my mouth. Now, let me tell you what about me. I don't give a crap. If I say something that offends you, then you can say, hey, Kevin, I don't use that word. Well, good for you. Yeah, and if we want to change the world, right, what we got to get people thinking as to every issue is first, does it violate the legal principle? That has to be the first thought. Has to be the very first thought. Because if it does, we're against it. If, and we shut it down, legally speaking. If it ain't, okay, now it's in a different world. How do we judge that? Does it violate the moral principle? If it doesn't violate the moral principle, I think it's fine. If it violates the moral principle, I'm going to try to talk you out of it. How do we deal with the, the cake baker who didn't want to serve the gay guys? Okay, question number one. Did, is that guy, by refusing to sell a cake to the gay couple for their wedding, is he violating the legal principle? Well, is he, is he being an aggressor? Is he using force, fraud, coercion, or putting people at risk? No. 
Therefore, that cake baker should be allowed to do whatever the heck he wants. Is he vi- Next question, is he violating the moral principle? Well, I would say he's kind of showing some intolerance and not really open-mindedness. So I think you could make an argument. Maybe he's yeah, violating. But, he, 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 but who he, cares? He serves gays in his in his bakery. Oh, that guy in particular, no, maybe. No, no, I don't want to get into the facts. Well, no, I'm just saying, no my it? point is, is that it, it, when people come into his shop, he doesn't ask what their gender and sexuality is. He serves them. But he could if he wanted to. But, but here's my point. And he should be able to, right? He, he probably should. But I'm, I would say to my dry I don't think my my dry cleaners never looked at me and said, wait, are you straight? Or are you gay? Are you are you white? It'd be a dumb decision. It would be, be a dumb stupid, thing to say, right? right? Stupid. So, so here's what, what's funny about this subject, just in a, in a general sense. Discrimination occurs everywhere. Let me explain. On all issues. If you're with your family on Route 66... And you see a bunch of bikes at a restaurant, at a, at a hamburger joint. And you, you see a bunch of dudes with the hair and the sunglasses all muscled and tatted up. And a couple of them have, you know, 3% on their jackets. You, as a family of four that's just kind of doody, 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 you probably find another hair, hamburger yeah, joint, right? Probably. Now, they didn't discriminate. Nobody told you not to go. But if you're smart, you're going to say, I'm probably not going there. I, I I jokingly said one time to a group of people, I said, so there's a statistic that said that uh, 28% of people, 78%, 72% of people who see a, a gang of black teenagers walking on the left side of the street will cross over to the right side and they're considered racist. And I said, the other 28% are considered victims. <laughs> but my joke is that you're smart if you see a gang of young blacks wearing this, what we call the colors, the, the, the uniform of the street, you're smart to cross the street. Don't get caught up in this stuff. This is, this is a tough conversation. Trying to figure, where's that line to draw between acting racist and discriminating against people versus using actual statistics and facts and, and, and knowledge that's You know the line is? Here's the line, my man. Are you a racist? I don't think you are. Because I'm sitting here, we're having a good time. I don't think there's a racist thought in your mind. But uh, let me put it to you this way. Black people know to cross the street if we see that. So that's not racist. That's you. I tell people this all the time. Your ability to race to profile is the best thing, one of the best things God gave you. you when you met your wife, you profiled her. Absolutely, yeah. When you hire people right. for this firm, you're profiled. I also discriminated. And I, you I better. chose her over other women. Yes, I discriminated against every yes, single God, other woman in the world. God bless discrimination yes. because you could have picked the wrong chick. I did. I, I, I'm not this time, but the last time. I picked the wrong woman. We've so, made our mistakes, right? Most guys have at some point made a mistake. And I right? wish I'd been and more. Most women too, right? right? I wish I'd been more discriminating. Yes, I wish I'd, ra- right. I'd, ra- I'd profiled better. Right. That is a God-given skill. The FBI has people employed to do this. But we talk about it like it's bad. We turn. We use whistleblower. A whistleblower is somebody that sees a wrong and wants to fix it. When you hear it, the connotation is negative. Oh, he's a, he's a narc. He's a snitch. No, it's somebody wanting to do better, but we allow the lexicon to change because th- that's how we've been lured into this stuff. I mean, don't even get me going on it. So, so how to truth? So how you're using the term discriminating is just I used facts that I gained in my life to make an educated decision well, about things. Well, what's funny is you, I, I'm, I use black because I wanted you to go. Oh, it's racist. No, it's not. It's you discerning the statistics of. Teenagers, black teenagers commit the most crime in this country. You'd be stupid 
not to recognize that and do that. It has nothing to do with race. It has to do with you looking at math. Yeah, what, what we should do is recognize the math and say, how do we fix this problem? How do we fix problem? the issue? We right? already know how to fix this problem, right? We got to get, we, it's the same way we fix it in every community. Right. We need to have parents be parents and not pals. We need to teach kids the proper values, the things that... We talk about sometimes on other shows, my favorite book ever written, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think that is the greatest book. In fact, we shut down our law firm at least once a year for the past, I don't know how many years, and all day long we talk about that book. Because that's what you, if you want to, and this is again, the people who aren't following this stuff would be improved in their own lives to the extent they followed this stuff. This isn't sort of sacrificing something. This is saying, hey, there are certain things about the world that work better than other things. And building high levels of trust is one of those things. Not being an aggressor is one of those things. Act that way, you'll live a more successful life. Like, that's what we need to be saying. I'll tell you one other thing, that, and this is just my little truism. I don't know how we're doing on time, but my, my little truism is this. Uh, be genuine. You know, the, the, closer, th- the closer that people can, rec- can see you and recognize that that's who. Like, I'll tell you this. This is me. You know, we're having a discussion. Yeah. We could be having this discussion anywhere. Your right. house, my house. Totally. This is it. Yeah. You, you don't have to guess. It's right. Kevin putting on because this camera's there. I've been in front of the camera enough times to say grace over. This is me. I think I'm meeting you guys. So that's step one. Yep. Because that closeness, you know, they say when a person dies, you lose a library. Mm-hmm. Our, the reason why people cry when somebody dies is somebody that you know, somebody that knew you. Probably intimately, a good friend. I lost my nephew recently, my father-in-law, uh, 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 both within three days of each other. Oh. My nephew got killed in a, a road rage incident. Oh, no. And, uh, you know, but I'm crying at his funeral. Why? Because I knew him. This is a good kid. And he had all kinds of potential. You know, when my grandmother died, I was devastated. Why? This woman knew every the little library. nuance of me. Right. Lost the library. Yeah. And she knew things about me that I don't know because she was watching me. I wasn't why I was being me. She was watching me. She used to say, Kev, you're a sensitive, you're a sensitive soul, baby. <laughs> like that. <laughs> and I would be like, I'm not. But I would cry Brian's song. You know, yeah. oh, man, it's Brian you Me know? too. Same thing, man. <laughs> yeah, Same but, movie. But, yeah. When, but when it's time for me to be, you know, that strong person, I'm as strong as they come. I'm titanium. So and but she recognized all the little nuances. So it was I just remember feeling like somebody that knew everything about me just died. It was like, what happened here? So that but that knowing a person is what it is. So what we have is, in my opinion, we have most the reason why politics sucks is we have frauds. We have people that don't want you to know who they really are. And good people. It makes it. I mean, I'm running for U.S. Senate now in Arizona. Are you really? And And I can already see. You know, just why people who are squared away, good people wouldn't want to do this job because they want, you know, to them, the main thing is just just get elected. Let's just get let's say what I got to say to get people appeased. But this can also be used as a platform to say what needs to be said. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's going to my plan. My plan is to say what needs to be said. And if people like that, then then I'll do something else. If people don't like that, then fine. I'm not going to be changing anything no matter what crowd I'm in front. Of. There are certain things we need to say together to the world 
to say, let's get the world. And, and this is getting to be a more urgent message, right? Because smaller and smaller numbers of people can do greater amounts of harm. We got very serious threats coming with artificial intelligence and synthetic biology coming up. The next pandemic will be engineered. We got nukes all over the place. We're seeing the co- right now. We're watching something happen. The whole world's watching a bully beat someone up on the playground, and we're all standing around just watching it. You know why? We're setting a precedent right now. If you got a nuke, you can do anything you want to do, and no one's going to mess with you. Yeah. We got serious problems that we got to really tackle. We got to win hearts and minds, and we can't do it just in our community. Stuff going on in Ukraine right now could turn into something that affects us right here, right now. Yeah. The world is our community. This is why we need a world movement, a world effort here. We need to bring people together around a simple principle, live and let live. Gentlemen, we're running up. Oh, go ahead, Kevin. This is why I represent you in Africa. (laughs) (laughs) We end where we we began. I would like like to say something to my people in my tongue. Is that okay? (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, tell our uh, listeners where they can find your stuff. Plug whatever you want. Yeah, thekevinjacksonnetwork.com, everything. Uh, my movies at bleedingbluemovie.com. Great film if you want to f- see a film about policing and it's a docudrama. My comedy shows March 31st uh, here in Scottsdale. Ah, we should go to That's that. That's the unapologetically yeah. American one. Yeah, yeah. I'm kicking. telling you guys, we just watched some clips before the show. It's freaking hilarious. This guy's right? great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. So we're, you have a great, good time there. Uh, Tim Wilkins and Brad Stein are joining me. And, you know, the comedy is like what I was starting off with you guys. I Racially insensitive. It's LGBT insensitive. It's all the things that legally you probably don't want me to say. <laughs> but socially, I'm going to say Well, the it. law's <laughs> messed up right now. If we got the law the way we wanted it, say anything say you want. Say whatever hey, you want. That, yeah. that's, that's the reason why we did it is because the attitude is. And we'll defend. We'll be the first. You get any problems for the content of your speech There's any legal from problems, the I got my boys. That's your boys care. right here. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, we actually stand up and defend First Amendment rights. In fact, the more offensive that what it is that is said, the more excited, the more excited I am excited to defend are, yeah. that <laughs> statement. Yeah. <laughs> so no matter it. what heinous statements you make, um, if, if the government's coming after you, and that's an important distinction, right? Because yeah. private people can do whatever the hell they want. You don't like what he says, don't come to his show. The theater doesn't like it. They don't have to have you there. But if the government gets involved, now we're using force. Isn't this well, how just, the left used to be? That we're going right. to, the ACLU saying, yes. you know, we're going to defend the right of the Nazis to walk down the it street. used to be and, the ACLU, now I it's just, the Attorneys for Freedom. I just, I just want to be very clear. We do not accept Dagos, Warps, Blacks, Jews. No. <laughs> and we'll defend his right to say he it. He has every right to we'll say it. We'll probably try to talk him out My of it. My attorney yeah. will come good, right good after you. <laughs> we'll probably try to talk him out of it. But, you know, we'll defend his right to say whatever he wants to say. Oh, my God. No feminist. I do not want the hairy underarm crowd there. You know. <laughs> Here's a bunch of links for Kevin's stuff. Go check it out at your own risk. My friends, uh, this has been the uh, Peace Radicals podcast. What a fun go, show today, man. Check out liveandletlive.org for this podcast and many more. Lots of ways to get involved. Kevin, thank you live so much. Live and let live, okay? You going to do it with us, brother? <laughs> I take can do, take I us out with you, the shotgun. You've been doing it the whole oh, time. Oh, you ready? We're ready? We're the Peace Radicals. Peace. Peace.